for you already. I, I wonder if I might pray over you again before you bring the message. Father, I thank you for Brad and Lacey. What a blessing they are. How could we have even sat down and said, this is what we want. And you could have provided any better, Lord, for our church family. We're eternally grateful for them. We pray your blessings upon Brad this morning. Power him with your mighty spirit, Lord, and move in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I don't think I've ever turned down prayer before. Anytime y'all want to pray for me, anybody in my family, please do. Speaking of prayer, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Hansi's coming here in October. Uh, we're having a, a prayer emphasis as a church on Sunday nights during our normal six to seven prayer time where we're, we're praying for uh, our missionaries and the nations and our, our TFA church and all, all the things that we normally pray for. But we're putting a special emphasis on that week. We're, uh, we're, we're getting ready, expecting, and believing for miracles and uh, believing that God's outpouring will happen that week specifically to revive our church. We, we, we already know it's going to happen at women's and men's you know, retreats coming up in these next two weeks. But man, uh, we're just believing for just an incredible outpouring of God's spirit on that week as well. So, um, well, Pastor is, uh, I believe today is the first day of his cruise. It's either today or tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure today they're on a cruise with a few other people from the church. So definitely hoping that they're having a good time out there. He deserves it. And uh, looking forward to hearing back from them here. And looking forward to next week as well. But uh, speaking of that, I was taking a group to the airport for that cruise on Friday. I had an interesting weekend. Um, so I was, I was taking a group to the airport and we were loading up here at the bus and the bus was where it normally is parked back here. It wasn't on the, on the side where I normally park it. Uh, but we were loading up luggage back there and everything. And uh, one of the people asked me, hey, can you, uh, can you help me lock up the office after I make some copies of my passport? So I got diverted a little bit from loading up the luggage and I went over there, made the passport copies, whatever, came back. Everybody's loading up on the bus. Let's go. Well, I get about one light down the road on Skyland, and somebody pulls up beside me honking their horn. I'm like, what is going on? They're like, hey, you lost some luggage back there. <laughs> so I had to go on Skyland, get two bags of luggage, turn around, go back to the church because one had dropped off in the parking lot. <laughs> Uh, it ended up being okay because one of the ladies on the trip left her wallet uh, in one of the cars. So it, it kind of all worked out. But man, like talk about a diversion, right? Well, yesterday, I told you it was an interesting weekend. My dad is getting ordained in the uh, Global Methodist Church. He's getting ordained as a, he got ordained as a deacon and an elder. And so uh, my wife and I went to Montgomery. Well, we've, we've scheduled plenty of time that morning to get the, y'all know how it is with kids, like getting ready. And, um, you know, taking your time, doing that thing. It takes a while. So we scheduled plenty of time. And um, I hadn't had my hair cut in a while. And my wife cuts my hair, by the way. It's not very hard. You just all one length, right? So she's cutting my hair. Well, about to cut my hair. And I plug it up and I drop the extension cord. And when I drop the extension cord, the trimmer falls on the ground and breaks. I was like, come on. I was like, my hair's getting too long. Like, I need a cut. So I was like, you know what? We scheduled time. Let me go to Walmart, pick up a cheap razor, and, and come back. So I did. I picked up a cheap trimmer, except for on this one, 
it had like a, a little knob, like a dial that you can like, instead of changing out the guards for every length, you can just dial it in, boom, two, two and a half, three, boom, and you just go. Awesome. So she cuts my hair on top and she's like, hey, while I'm here, you want me to cut, like trim your beard up? I'm like, yeah, sure, go for it. So she takes the guard off and she's like going around, trimming, 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 right, whatever. Well, she puts the guard back on and then she starts clicking the button, click, 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 click. And she's like, you said you wanted it on nine, right? I'm like, yeah, nine. And she starts going, zip. <laughs> Apparently the guard didn't catch to the clicker and it was all the way down. So she shaved me right there. I was like, it was one of those moments that you just have to laugh. Like I saw in her hand as much beard hair as I had and she just falls on me and she's just laughing, laughing. She's like, I'm not trying to laugh. Like, I'm sorry, I feel so bad, but I just can't believe it. Like, this just happened. I was like, you know what, just go ahead and shave. I was, I was planning on shaving it anyway. You know, this beard I've been working on for four years now. And uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it all happened with, you know, getting diverted from dropping the trimmer to going, getting this new trimmer. But hey, I got a new look now, so. Um, today, I want to talk on the title, Diversion. You're too late. Diversion, you're too late. What is a diversion? A diversion is an act of diverting or turning aside as from a course or purpose. Now, let me start off this sermon by saying two things. This sermon is not for people who every time that you pray, you get what you're praying for. If you pray to God for healing and you get healing, this ain't for you. If you pray for God for a breakthrough or miracle and you get those things, this sermon ain't for you. But for those of you who are anxious, for those of you who are weary in the waiting period of your prayer, if, if, if that's anybody in the house today, this sermon is going to be for you. Let's get you a little bit of background. Actually, let's pray first, and then we'll get into the background. Pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity to come into your house to worship the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your word and the truth of your word. May you speak to our hearts today, not just my words, but God, your word it's got power in it. Your word has got truth. Your word is what's going to, I can never change anybody, but your word can change somebody. So Lord, let your word change us today. I pray if there's anybody here in this place who doesn't know you, or maybe hasn't completely surrendered themselves to you, or may this day be the day that they make the very best decision they could ever make, and that's the decision to follow after you. And Lord, not just give you some of their life, to give you all their life. So Lord, I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. A little bit of background before we read today. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Mark. Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. Mark, oftentimes, if you start reading Mark, it's not going to take long to get to the Word immediately. Like, Mark is to the point. Immediately this happened, and then boom, he's on to the next thing. Immediately, and then boom, keep going on. Matter of fact, Mark didn't even have time for baby Jesus. Like, he just started, like, right at 30-year-old, about to get into ministry, Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was ready to get, like, get to action here. But another thing that Mark does in his Gospels, he has a literary style called Mark Sandwiches. Um, there's about 10 sandwiches in Mark. And if you don't know what a Mark Sandwich is, I'll explain it to you. Essentially, it's uh, like a sandwich. You got bread on top, bread on the bottom, and you got everything else in the middle. So he starts a story, story number one. Then he'll interject a story before that story is done. And then he'll finish the first story after the second story. And he, he does that on purpose. Now, those events may have occurred like that, but there's a point to them. They're all connected. And so we're going to see that. 
Um, a couple examples I'll give you real fast. Like in Mark chapter 8, y'all ever heard the story of the guy who Jesus touched his eyes, he was blind, and then he could see like trees, like he couldn't see clearly, it was like trees moving around, and then he touched them again, and then he could actually see? Well, before that, Jesus asked his disciples, beware the leaven of the, of the Pharisees. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he's like, do you still not understand? That was kind of like that first, like couldn't see clearly. But after the story of healing the, the guy completely, he asked his disciples, who do people say I am? And they told him, uh, some people say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say the other prophets. And he looks at his disciples and says, well, who do you say I am? And Peter steps up and says, you are the Christ. They could see, you know. Or what about the, the fig tree that gets withered? Uh, the fig tree is right in the middle of two stories. Or I'm sorry, the, the fig tree is the two stories, the beginning and the end. And in the middle, uh, Jesus is going in and he's, you know, driving people out of the temple for buying and selling in the temple. You know, they were making it a den of thieves, a den of robbers instead of a house of prayer. And so before you see this fig tree that has leaves but no fruit. And at the end, you see a fig tree that's withered. And that was a testament of the spiritual, uh, uh, of how they were spiritually dead. And they look good, but they were actually spiritually dead. And so here we are in Mark chapter 5. Now, I don't have any points today, but what I am going to do is use uh, the three sections is my three points, essentially, uh, of this sandwich. So, first section, Jesus is interrupted by a guy named Jairus. Section number one, that's the top. Then a woman interrupts them on the way, that's the middle. And then we pick back up with the story of Jairus at his house. So, let's start here in Mark chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. It says, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed, around, uh, followed him and thronged about him. We'll stop right there. That's the top, top bread right there. What I want you to see here is that this is kind of the setup of the story. You got to understand, if you don't understand this, you won't, the, the rest of this, you'll just kind of fly through. It won't really make sense. What I need you to understand about this first part of the story is the desperation that Jairus had. What do we know about this? Jairus had a daughter that was dying. She was on her deathbed. And Jairus decides to leave her to go and find help. Apparently, he had, he had heard that Jesus was in town. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody close to me, like my daughter, was dying, I would not leave them. Especially the ruler of a synagogue, he could have sent somebody to go find Jesus, right? But you got to understand the desperation of Jairus. No, no, no. He was going to go find help. The other people that he would have sent would not have been desperate like Jairus was desperate. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a father of three daughters. And I'm telling you this. If, if, if someone or something went to harm one of my daughters, you would see a different person. You would not see Pastor Brad. <laughs> you would see, um, I'm going to make it out on top uh, whether I have to die or not. You know, <laughs> like, it, it doesn't matter if you're bigger, stronger, faster than me. You're not as desperate as me because these are my daughters, right? That is the kind of desperation that Jairus had. So section number two, let's read on. 
There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, verse 25, verse 26, and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports of Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately, see there's a lot here, turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? Well, who actually said that? We actually, so this, this uh, story is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, in Luke's gospel, he points out that it was Peter that uh, stepped up and said, said that. So, you know, you see the crowd pressing around you. Why are you saying who touched you? Yeah, thanks, Peter. <laughs> Verse 32. And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, right off the bat, I want to point out a couple of things. These stories don't, these two stories between this woman and Jairus don't really look connected at first. I mean, if you, if you look at it, we got Jairus, who is a man, and this woman, who is a woman. And there is a difference, right? Okay, there's a difference. Jairus is named. This woman is not named. Jairus is respected. This woman is rejected and shamed. Jairus was a synagogue leader. This woman could not enter the synagogue because she was unclean. She had a blood disease. Jairus probably had money because of his position. This woman has spent all she had on doctors that made her worse. So my question is, what would cause both of these individuals to end up at the feet of Jesus? It was the pain. Pain has brought them to the same place. We rarely see people come to Jesus in their pleasure and their success. But what we will find is when somebody has a bad doctor's report or something that we can't handle, things that are beyond our circumstances will lead people to Jesus. Have you ever been pushed closer to Jesus because of pain? I know I have. This is why we would make a bad God. <laughs> if I were God, I'd be like, you should have come to me before the tragedy. <laughs> You should have came to me before the report. You should have came to me before all that. But it doesn't matter how you come to God. What's important is that you come to him and that you surrender to him. This text even suggests that both Jairus and this woman would not have come to Jesus had it not been for their pain, had it not been for the tragedy they had been. This woman has spent all she had. What if she had more money? She probably would have found another doctor. Jairus was a synagogue leader. So, like, who were the people that opposed Jesus the most? The deeply religious people, the Pharisees, you know, uh, the, the, the synagogue leaders, the priests, they were kind of like the most opposed to Jesus. This is the leader of a synagogue. And yet he founds himself at Jesus. Jairus came to Jesus with urgency because he needed a miracle now. Like, it was, the time was of the essence for Jairus. But with the woman, she had been subject to this disease for 12 years. This disease had become a part of her identity. She didn't know what it was probably like to even be normal or feel whole again 
Y'all understand? There's a lot of differences, but there's a lot of connection here, which we'll bring here. In Mark 5, 27 through 29, it says that the woman heard the reports. This woman was so desperate to be healed after 12 years. All it took was just hearing the report of maybe this could be it. She would try anything. And we see the desperation in the story when she reaches out and just touches. And, and here it doesn't say it, but in the other Gospels it says the hem of his garment. Maybe that was the bottom. Maybe it was somewhere at one of the tassels or something at the top. But it basically is the fringe of his garment. And it made her well. In Mark chapter 5, verses 30 through 32, Jesus had power come out of him. He turned and said, who touched my garments? You know, there's this crowd pressing in around him. I believe that Jesus didn't know. Okay? Now, there's some people that can say one way or the other. I don't think Jesus knew who touched him. He was not omniscient at this time. He was human. Right? He had to rely on the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes he did, was revealed things, but he didn't know everything. He was limited. So he's asking, who touched me? There was a lot of people touching him that day, but only one of them got power drawn out of Jesus. And Jesus just waits. Y'all see that in the story? Man, like, especially in some of the other ones. If you, if you got to really pair all these together in the Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus is just looking around. He's just waiting for somebody to say something. Now take a... Uh, take the perspective of the woman for a moment, okay? You just touched Jesus, this guy who has this entire crowd following him, right? And you are unclean, and you touch somebody that was clean. She would have to live with the repercussions of, of that from the crowd. You know, who knows what the crowd would have done knowing that she was unclean touching somebody like Jesus that was clean, and then he couldn't, wasn't able to go into the synagogue until he was made clean again. I imagine, have you ever been in one of those situations where it just seems like time slows down? Like, like time is, is normal. Like the, the disciples are wondering, like figure, trying to figure out who touched Jesus. They're like, hey, did you touch Jesus? Did you touch Jesus? Yeah, yeah okay. What, do you feel power? You know, Peter's going around figuring out like, man, Jesus, this is the dumbest thing. What are you talking about? Like, but for this woman who's about to reveal herself, she has to make up in her mind, knowing that she was healed, knowing that the power went to her, do I say something or not? I imagine time probably, like, every second was probably like a minute. So it could have been 20 seconds, but may have felt like 20 minutes. Verse 33 says, The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, some versions say the whole truth or the whole story. I don't know if you've ever asked a woman to tell you a story before. <laughs> But um, if you ask a lady to tell you a story, you're going to get all the details, right? If you ask a man, they'll just be like, yeah, this happened. Okay, move on. But this woman, she tells the whole truth. How much truth does she have? 12 years worth. 12 years of heartache, of brokenness, of rejection. And she told the whole truth to Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't just concerned about her physical healing. She was concerned about, he was concerned about her. He wanted to heal her. But now think about it from Jairus' perspective. He was so excited that Jesus was coming to his house. He found Jesus. He found the way. His daughter is on her sickbed, her deathbed, about to die. He finds Jesus. Jesus is coming to his house. But now he gets diverted. He gets interrupted by a woman when time is of the essence. He's probably thinking, Jesus, come on. 
hurry up. We got to go. Hey, Jesus, by the way, I was here first. You can heal her later. Like, let's go. Like, I was here. You were coming to my house. Have you ever felt like that in life? I need money now. Like, the rent is due like 10 days ago. <laughs> like, I have these medical bills piling up so high. I, like, I need a breakthrough because otherwise they're going to take my house, take my car. Like, Jesus, do you not see how sick I am or how sick this family member is? Do you not see, like, what this addiction is doing to their life? Can you hurry up? Like, can, can you just heal them or can you, can you have that breakthrough? G, or Jairus was in the middle of an emergency and Jesus stops and just asks questions. <laughs> but Jesus said this in verse 34. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you and made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Jairus had to watch someone else get their miracle before while he was waiting on his. He knew that God could do it, but he knew that he had to hurry. But I want you to see the compassion of our Savior in this text. Jesus calls this woman daughter. You know this is the only time he calls a woman daughter in the Bible? Right here. This woman needed to know that she was a daughter after being outcast for 12 years. If she was unclean, that means she couldn't live with her family. She couldn't go into church. She couldn't be with the community. She couldn't touch people for 12 years. Jesus wanted Jairus to also know that the same way that he felt about his little girl was the same way he felt about this woman. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I was late everywhere. <laughs> like, is anybody here like late a lot? <laughs> I see that hand. That was the first hand right there. Matter of fact, Lacey posted a, uh, uh, something on Facebook the other day. It was like, uh, name a friend that if they were late, you would win them. You know, if you could guarantee they were late, you would win a million dollars. Obviously, you couldn't tell them they had to be late. But just tell them to show up at this time. If they're late, you win a million dollars. And she's like, it's me. I was like, yes, you're right. It's you. No, I'm just she's, she's pretty good. We got kids. We got an excuse, right? Um, but I, when I was growing up, I was late everywhere. Actually, I had a shirt. My mom... I don't remember if my mom bought it or if I bought it. I had a shirt that said, always late but worth the wait. <laughs> so that can kind of tell you, like, I was late. Every, I remember walking into school. I wasn't late for school, but I walked in class as the bell was ringing every day because it was set to, like, a certain time. I was like, I got 10 seconds. got eight seconds. Boom, I'm in class. You can't give me a tardy. Let's go. <laughs> but we see that here at the, the conclusion of this story in Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 5, verse 35, it says, While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, I have three daughters. I can't fully relate to this story, but I can't imagine. What kind of friends were these that would come and say that? It wasn't the fact that they, they gave him the facts that his daughter was dead. That was Okay. But it was what they said after that. Did you catch that? Why trouble the teacher any further? What they're saying is you're too late. You're too late, Jairus. Just give it up and walk away. Quit bothering this guy because you're, you're too late. But you need to know the right people in your life. How are you going to tell him it's too late? It's not your daughter. It's his daughter. You got to be careful of people who don't understand the authority of God. 
Because they just understood Jesus as a teacher, but he wasn't just a teacher. He was a miracle worker. Jesus was a healer. He was, he is the resurrection and he is the life. And Jesus pipes up, it says, but over here in what he said in verse 36, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Don't you love Jesus? Man. Mark chapter five, verse 37 through 40 reads like this. It says, he allowed no one to follow him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when he, when he put them all outside, he took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Let's stop right here. These people that were in this house weren't family members probably. Some of them may, be, may have been. But back in this, this era and this time in history, they actually hired professional mourners when somebody died. And so they would have people that would come in and they would wail and they would cry and they would, uh, with the family, it was a comfort thing, but it was also like for the, fa- the family could mourn as they wanted to mourn without being embarrassed, without being singled out. It was these people were the ones that were, would be kind of have all the attention on them. That makes sense. And so when Jesus comes in and says, hey, she's not dead, she's asleep. They laughed at him. Like these people that were hired laughed at Jesus because they knew that she was dead. But what did Jesus mean here by sleep? First of all, sometimes even Jesus had to get people out of the room. <laughs> like these people didn't believe in Jesus either or believe what Jesus could do. So he, he had to get them out. He had to shrink it down to his, his three, Peter, James, and John, and Jairus and his wife. But sleep is a term that Jesus often used when talking about, or it's, it's used throughout the Bible when talking about death. Let's turn to, to John chapter 11, verses 11 through 15. You don't have to turn with it, but it's going to be on screen, but you can if you want. Uh, we know that Lazarus died, right? Everybody knows that. He was dead for four days. In John chapter 11, verse 11 through 15, Jesus said, after saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go and awaken him. The disciples said, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. But Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he meant to rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. He had to tell them that sometimes. But for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Paul does the same thing in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Let me tell you something. This little girl was dead. If I can have the band come back to the stage, we're going to close here. Here's where it all comes together. Verses 41 through 43. 41 41 says, Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. Now, he didn't just, like, shout this to the girl. The connotation of this text is that he walked over to her, grabbed her hand, and said, hey, little girl, it's time to wake up. Kind of like you would waking up your daughter from a nap, 
This was only one of three recorded people that Jesus raised from the dead in the Gospels. But I want you to see this connection in the story. You may have missed it. This little girl is how old? She's 12. The woman had been sick for how long? 12 years. So the same year that this girl was born is the same year that this woman was diagnosed with her disease. What's that mean? 12 years ago, flashback. One family was ecstatic. One family was joyous. One family couldn't, I mean, they just had a daughter. They had a baby. I mean, this was like the ultimate joy in life. You can see how much Jairus loves his daughter. I mean, he's going out on her deathbed and trying to find some help. I mean, there was joy. There was enthusiasm. I mean, they were going through life. This, we don't know what this girl's life was like, but it was probably a normal life for their family. It was probably good. But that same year, this woman is diagnosed with a disease that the doctors say you can't cure. And so for 12 years, this woman is suffering with this disease, desperate for a miracle. But they end up in the same place at the same time. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I need someone who will shout with me in the good times and who will weep with me when it's hard. When I may have hit rock bottom and I don't know where else to go. For 12 years, this woman had been speaking to the wrong people, speaking to the wrong people practicing medicine when she needed the great physician. Jairus and the woman wanted the same thing. They wanted healing. But Jairus didn't get a healing. Jairus got a resurrection. His daughter didn't have a story of healing. She was resurrected. How much better was God's plan for her? So as I close tonight, I'm talking to people who are in a waiting period. People who believe, people who have faith, people who are praying day in and day out and aren't seeing anything. Let me tell you something. He's in the waiting. He hasn't forgot about you. It's his plan. It's his will. It's his timing. But let me tell you something. I believe, listen, my daughter hadn't got healed yet. But I believe she will. But I'm also like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even if she doesn't, I'm still going to believe. I'm still going to trust because she's going to get healed one day. One day, God's coming back for his church. We're going to meet him. We'll all be healed. There'll be no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. Hey, look, she's going to get healed one way or the other. My prayer is it's going to be here on earth. But even so, I need, I, I need God. I need to trust his authority. And most importantly, I need the right people around me. I don't need somebody coming to me, don't tell me, don't bother the teacher anymore. I don't need somebody laughing at me when I say she's just asleep instead of she's dead. I need people who's going to trust me in faith. Amen. Would you stand with me across this place? This altar time is for people who are in a waiting, a waiting period like, man, I've been to the altar so many times. I'm tired of going down to the altar. I'm tired of, man, people pray for me to get healing. It hasn't worked. My prayer is for you today. It could be on this same day, both of them got healed, man. What a day it was. Could it be that today is that day? Could it be that that person you've been praying for accepts the Lord today? 
Could it be that that person is struggling with the addiction that God breaks them free? You know, you could be like the centurion. You ain't even got to be there. Lord, I'm a, I, remember the centurion? I'm a man of authority and a man under authority. I know what authority looks like. Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house to heal my servant. Just say the words and my servant will be healed. Listen, the person you're praying for doesn't even have to be here. I can, God, the authority that we believe in is greater than, than having to touch somebody. Amen. Jesus was amazed at that faith. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord or you know you're not completely serving the Lord, you know, you may know about God, but you know you're not serving the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. We don't have tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. If that's you, I want you to come down here as well. So you're welcome to come down. We're going to have a worship time. We're going to pray. And we're just going to believe together. Hey, we're believing for healed. And even if he doesn't, we're still believing. <laughs> like, that's the prayer this morning. If you have a situation that you want to pray about, we're going to pray together. Or if you would like to accept the Lord, come and let us pray for you. It's not, it's not hard. It's not difficult. There's nothing weird about it. This will be the best day you ever, best decision you ever made in your life is the decision to follow Christ. So let's worship together as we pray. And if, if you see somebody down here, feel free. I want, you know, several people, y'all can come down here. Let's, let's pray and believe together. What God wants to do today. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Just one.
encourage you today a little bit you know as humans it can be easy to get discouraged when we don't see something especially immediately especially something we really want to happen but I've seen too many times in my life and in the lives of others where God doesn't always show up on our time of course but immediately when we pray for something I've seen people come out of services and get healed when they get home, you know, or healed like later on that week. Um, I've seen breakthroughs like that. Um, or I've just seen God like use specific people. So like we, we talked about Hansi Stein coming, you know, there's, I believe that God can heal through anybody. Any one of us, God can use to heal somebody. But then there's other people who have a gift of healing. And Hansi's one of those guys that God is, he has a ministry of healing. You know, and if, if for some reason you did not get healed today, if God chose not today, or maybe not tonight, or whenever it was, let me let me just ask something for you. We just believe for the the revival that we have coming up. We have a few weeks that we can fast and pray. And if you have something that you're really looking for, like as a church, we've committed to fast and pray for this. And so we're taking Sunday nights, and we're taking throughout the week to believe for the miraculous. God, miracles are not dead. Healings are not dead. Breakthroughs are not dead. God is still on the throne, amen? So so just because you don't see something maybe in your own life, or maybe you've seen like uh, like Jairus had to, he had to watch a miracle before he got his. You know, maybe you see it in other people, but not yourself. Let me just tell you, don't give up. You know, don't give up. So God is good, amen? Let me pray for you. You're welcome to stay as long as you want, but... Um, I want to pray a prayer of blessing over our church family, especially over pastor and those who are gone right now. Lord, uh, we come before you. We say thank you. Thank you that we could come to your house and worship your name, God. Thank you that we have belief. We don't live this life with people who have no hope. We don't live this life with people who are told a diagnosis of it's impossible to to heal that or it's impossible for this to happen. We don't believe in the impossible. We believe in the miracle-working God. And so, Lord, we're going to continue to trust you in the waiting, in the waiting period. Believing, Lord, that that your word is true and what you said is going to come to pass. So, Lord, I pray a blessing over us this week. Lord, let our hearts uh, be ready to receive next week, the week after. And, uh, Lord, especially when uh, Hansi comes, God, we're believing for the miraculous to happen then. But use us this week, God, to spread your message of hope, of love, of grace and mercy to those around us. Help us to be beacons of light in our community, Lord. To be people that walk in faith, Lord, and who who walk with the power of the gospel. So, Lord, I pray a blessing as we go uh, to work, to school, wherever we go. Just keep us safe and help us to be in tune with your Holy Spirit. 
Lord, for those who uh, have traveled or are on vacation for pastor and those, God, Miss Brenda, we're believing, God, for this to be a time of rest, refreshing and fun. Lord, I pray they would just have the best time with tons of memories and uh, they can come back, Lord, just uh, excited and rejuvenated, Lord, to continue to do the work uh, that you've called them to do. We're blessed to have them, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for them. We give you praise for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.